you. Well, good morning. Um, yes, this is on, or I'm just really loud. Um, yeah, I've been told I've been really loud. Uh, obviously, we're talking about The Sandlot, and Sarah, it's my favorite movie too. Um, it, it, growing up, like, I loved watching this movie. I loved watching it with my friends. The only part I didn't like was if you've, if you've seen it, there was a scene where it's like black and white. It's back in like the 1920s or something, and like the beast is in prison and he's in a cage. And they bring like a whole zebra to the beast and it just chucks out his bones. That part freaked me out as a child. Like I, I was like, is the dog still in the movie? I don't want to see it. But The Sandlot is a movie that I grew up with. And you know, when I was watching it, rewatching it and thinking about, hey, what should I preach on? Uh, Small's mom kind of gave the answer. It was like, hey, go make some friends. So obviously we should talk about friendship, right? I didn't want to talk about friendship, though, because I feel even though I have some great friends and I'd love to talk about them, I felt like the friend thing has been done before. And like this movie, it's really so obvious that, you know, this is about friends, making friends. And, and if we're honest, this mom isn't like the best mom. It's like, go make some friends who are like the bad boys and, you know, go get in some trouble. <laughs> and it's like, no, make some good friends. But we're not talking about friendship. And it's funny how, like, whenever I'm, I'm writing or I'm, I'm about to speak, usually there's been something in my life that is kind of connected with whatever I'm speaking on. And that, you know, should happen. Uh, I should be able to speak from my own experience in life into a message. But it was crazy to, to go through these last couple months and, and then come to this message and then realize, as I'm watching this, realize, oh, this movie isn't just about friendship, but it's also about rejection and acceptance. And if I was honest, this past couple months have really opened my eyes to, to the fact that I have operated in a space of rejection. I have operated in a space, like if you look at my life, uh, you probably would say, like, I've done some good things. I would say I've done some good things. Like, I've helped people. I've, I've you know, done the good things. But a lot of those things I've done because I wanted to be accepted. I did them because I wanted Jesus to love me more than he already does, which is impossible. I did those things to get approval from other people. I did those things because I felt like if I didn't do enough, then Jesus was going to reject me. And if you're here today, or if you're watching online, uh, my bet is 100% of you have probably faced rejection. It, it might have been a job. Uh, you might have had a promotion that you really wanted, but you didn't get it. It might have been a school. Uh, you applied for all these different colleges. You didn't get in. Uh, it might have been a relationship that didn't work out or a marriage or all these different things. And the truth is that there is also this deep truth that, that maybe it was a parent who didn't tell you that they were proud of you or that they loved you. One of the things I'm realizing is this, that, that both God and Satan are after the same exact prize, and that's your heart. And just like in the Sandlot, rejection has a way of eating at our hearts. Rejection has a way of tearing us down and keeping us from being who God really wants us. And when we actually believe the words that rejection speaks, it keeps us from, from living out the full purposes that Jesus died for. This, this tension that that even though our hearts are eternally significant to God, the tension is that we are still burdened by rejection. And, and the truth is, like, 
you might realize that you have been living this way when you, when you realize, hey, I've actually been doing stuff because I want to be approved. Rejection says that I am not enough, or I can't do enough, so I'm not going to do anything at all. I'm not smart enough. I don't know the Bible well enough, uh, so I'm not going to volunteer. Or, or maybe I, I, I don't want to help out with, with anything. Rejection is a way of, of affecting our lives and moving into our lives. It says, I am not welcomed or invited, so I'm not going to welcome or invite other people. Rejection says, I don't have what it takes. Rejection says, like, in my mind, I need to work harder and do more for Jesus so that Jesus will love me and accept me. Rejection has eaten at our hearts. And my biggest, like, my heart breaks more because the church has often neglected this truth. I I call it, like, the ministry of the heart. Like we have, you know, you have like, you know, your sermons and, and they're good, like your, your sermons about money and how to handle those, your sermons about friendship and how to handle those. But the truth is we hear all these messages, but we never get down to the root issue of what's eating at your heart and what's eating at your soul. And because a lot of us tend to ignore it, we miss it and, and we just forget about it. We don't acknowledge that, hey, every day when we wake up, we are attacked and it's an attack on our hearts. And this attack starts with this idea of rejection versus acceptance. And I wonder if you've ever had like a family dinner or like a holiday dinner, there was always the adults table, right? And there was always the kids table. And even when I was 18, I was still at the kids table because I was still a kid. But there is a part of us that believes that we are at the kids' table, that we can only sit at the kids' table, and Jesus is somewhere over here, sitting at the adults' table, enjoying the company that's good, enjoying like the good people, the righteous people, and we're just over here eating at the kids' table, and we really just want to be here, and so we try to work, and we try to do things, and we try to measure up to the people at this table, when the truth is you and I are actually invited to the kids' table. I mean, sorry, to the adults' table, not to the kids' table. We are invited to eat at the table. We are invited to enjoy who Jesus is, what he has said about us. We are invited despite all the things in our life, despite the rejection that has burdened our hearts. And there's a story in the book of John, uh, chapter 7. If you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever, I don't know how people are doing it today. I like paper, and so I'm going to use paper. But there's a story in John, and a lot of us are familiar with it. And it starts uh, in chapter 7, in verse 53. We read this. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Now there's some interesting things here, like the fact that, one, it takes... Two, to have an adultery, and there's only one person in this situation. The man is nowhere to be found. Uh, the, the Pharisees, the, my biggest question is, what are the Pharisees doing just going around like, are you having adultery? Are you having adultery? Okay. 
and throwing them in the middle of the street. What are they doing? Like they're just going around. But my biggest, uh, my biggest thing that, that, that bothers me, the biggest thing that bothers me is this, that these Pharisees are supposed to be the, the people that are supposed to represent God's love. These Pharisees are supposed to tell people about who God is and that they are accepted. And yet, because all they want to do is catch Jesus, if Jesus says, yes, you're supposed to stone him, then he's not, uh, not in line with God's character. And if no, you're not supposed to stone him, then he's breaking the law. And so all they care about is catching Jesus, that they can't even see that there is this woman who is broken, who's rejected, who's most likely been rejected by her community, by her friends, by her family. They focus so much on, on their own righteousness that they can't see the person in front of them. And if we were honest, the church hasn't been the most accepting place. I'm sure we could probably go around and tell stories of how we were at this one church and, and then something happened and then the church rejected us. And I'm sure if you went out into Richmond, just downtown, you could talk to people about how they don't want to be in church or they don't like organized religion because they were hurt by organized religion. Like that is the world that we live in, that the church has, has not been a place of acceptance, has been more of a place of rejection and, and pain than what we were called to be. And the fact that we were called to, to bring Jesus to other people, to bring hope to other people, and yet all we bring is condemnation and shame. And that's what the church has been. But maybe, maybe, if we actually realize that we are accepted by God, and that if, if Jesus can accept the very worst of us, then he can accept the very worst of everybody. The margin is so wide in who Jesus accepts that it's literally infinite. And so it doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter what you believe about God. It doesn't matter where you are in life. What matters is that you come and understand that you are accepted. That Jesus accepts you. And if there's anything in this story, if there's anything that we see in the story, Jesus reflects the character of God when it comes to rejection. Picking up in verse 6, he said, This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has anyone condemned you? She said, No, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So Jesus confronts the Pharisees with the truth. The truth that they have no right to throw a stone at her because just as she's a sinner, so is everybody else. And they have no right. They are in no place to be throwing stones. And the truth is, when it comes to rejection and acceptance, it's often the people who are probably the most credible that we listen to. Right? Like if I'm playing guitar up here and I want to know if I sound good, I'm going to ask Chip. Or if I'm singing, I'm going to ask Mandy. I'm going to ask somebody who is more experienced. 
I'm going to ask somebody who, who has lived and gone through this. I'm going to ask somebody who maybe knows more about something. And when they tell me, hey, you're not doing too good at this, I'm going to listen to them. And so when the only person who has any right or any credibility to throw a stone at somebody, who Jesus is the only person who has any right to throw a stone, has any right to condemn, and he says, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. I'm not going to throw a stone at you. And this, this idea, this woman is accepted, and this is showing who God is. Like we read all the time that like there is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents, because that's who God is. He loves it when you realize that you are accepted, and when you come to the truth that you are invited to the table, and that when you realize that God loves you despite our sin, despite our shame. Jesus is showing the characteristics of God, not just to, to this person, but I'm pretty sure it's a story for each one of us. Because maybe you haven't been thrown into the streets, but maybe you've come face to face with your own failures. Maybe you've come face to face with the fact that you're, you feel like you're not good enough or you feel like you're not smart enough or, or pretty enough or you're just not enough. And you come face to face with that truth and that reality and that, 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 that enemy lie. You come face to face with that. And yet God says, none of that's true. Let me actually tell you what the truth is, is that I don't condemn you. I think you are enough. I think you are so loved and so cared for that I'm going to send my son to die for you. That's what God says, and that is who God is. And so this woman is accepted. This woman is invited to sit at the table. And, and so with this invitation that this woman gets, you see at the end where Jesus says, go and from now on sin no more. And it's kind of silly to think that this woman like didn't sin at all for the rest of her life. I'm guessing she sinned, but maybe not in the ways that we think. I'm guessing she sinned, but what Jesus says here is that go and sin no more. And what he's doing is showing that this acceptance, like once we realize we were accepted, we're empowered to fight our sin. We're empowered to go and sin no more. Kind of like how in, in, in the movie, like Benny accepts Smalls into the group. And he doesn't just say, hey, go stand out there and, you know, maybe something will help, like happen. Maybe something will, you'll catch something maybe. No, he says, go out there, put your hand in the air, and I'm going to shoot a ball to you. Or hit a ball. <laughs> That's basketball. <laughs> I'm going to hit a ball to you. He doesn't just say, hey, you know, you're going to come. You don't play baseball. You, you're pretty bad at baseball, but we'll invite you anyway, and, and you'll be on your own. No, he says, hey, I'm inviting you, and I'm going to help you. Jesus says, I'm inviting you and I'm going to help you, and this acceptance that you feel empowers you to go and sin no more. See, because when you realize that Jesus accepts me, you don't need to go to those places. When you realize that Jesus accepts you, you don't need to sin, because sin is ultimately a turning away from God and going to something else to find acceptance 
or pleasure or whatever. And Jesus says, I've accepted you. You don't need to go to those places. And, and, and so this woman is invited and we are invited. But the reality is, is that we can, you know, beat these messages into your brain. But if it doesn't reach down to your heart, if it doesn't reach down deeper, then ultimately it will go in one ear and out the other. Because Jesus is so concerned about your heart. He's so concerned about your heart. And the truth is, is in your heart, in, in like the deepest parts of you, you realize that you've been operating from a place of rejection. You need to know that Jesus doesn't reject you. You need to know that given the choice between stoning you and condemning you or bringing about shame, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus brings love and mercy and forgiveness. Given the choice, Jesus would die for you. If he had to choose whether to stone you or to die for you, he'll take, he'll take the blow. Because he did take the blow. Jesus died so that you can be accepted, so that you could believe and know and leave here and go out into the world that you are accepted and that, that you can bring other people in and that you are good enough and that you are enough and that Jesus does love you. And it's not just something we say, but it's an actual truth that we believe. And if you've been operating from that place, know that Jesus doesn't condemn you. And I think especially during wherever we're at, corona and elections and race and all these different things going on. I have so much joy knowing that it doesn't matter who you're going to vote for. I have so much joy knowing that it doesn't matter the color of your skin. I have a lot of joy knowing that it doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. Is that today you have an invitation to sit and to enjoy and to trust what Jesus says about you. And, and Jesus accepts you, not because of who you're voting for, not because of your skin color, not because of the family that you were born into, not because of the amount of money that you have. Jesus accepts you because you were loved, because you are made in his image and that God, he just, he loves you. Like, I, I feel like I can't say it any simpler than that. He loves you because he made you. If you think about like a kid who just like, who, I remember growing up when I was a kid, like whenever uh, my mom would come to pick me up from daycare, I would be so ecstatic. It's not because I didn't like daycare. I didn't like daycare, but it's not because of that. It's because I was just excited to see my mom. And when I'm excited to see my mom and she's excited to see me, that's how God sees you. And that's how he wants us to see him. And so the question the question is, you know, this like feels like a TED talk of like 10 steps to, you know, acceptance, how to, how to feel good. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I tend not to do like the, those 10 steps, like here's like how you do it. I'm giving more of my experience of, hey, this is what I've gone through. This is where I've been. And this is what has helped me realize that I am accepted by God. And, and the first thing that, that happens when rejection comes when rejection speaks remind yourself of the truths of scripture 
that you are accepted by God, that you are no longer a slave, but you are a son or a daughter, that God rejoices over you and he sings over you, that that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you are God's workmanship, his poem, all these truths we hear, and I think we hear them so much and they become cliche, but the thing about cliches is that they are truths that are worth repeating. And, And so no matter how cliche it might sound, that you are a child of God and that God loves you, remind yourself of that. Go back into scripture, remind yourself of what Jesus did on the cross for you. Remind yourself of these truths because the other reality is is that often the lies are so much louder and they're louder because we haven't let the voice of scripture, the voice of God have its, have its space and, and it's quiet because we haven't gone back. And so we need to remind ourselves of these truths. The second thing is this, know who you are and whose you are. And it's kind of like this earth, remind yourself that you are who God says you are. And, and, and the truth is that this is so important that like, if you need to, when you wake up in the morning, you need to write this on your ceiling. I don't recommend it, but if you have to, write it on your ceiling that when you wake up, you see, I am a child of God and there's nothing that can take that away from me. Because every moment when you wake up, there is a war going on for your heart. And when you wake up immediately, you need to be reminded of that truth. This past week, I've really like, not necessarily like been enlightened, but I've realized like I wake up and man, already, like I get texts from friends who are going through stuff. Already I just wake up and and on the news there's more bad news and I wake up and already there's an attack, there's a war on my heart. And so when I was in school, what I did was I wrote on my mirror I'm a child of God. Nothing can take that away from me. And it's something as simple as that, that when you wake up and immediately see it, you know who you are and you know whose you are. So know that, deeply know that. And the last thing is this, that the same acceptance that we have been given, we are to give to others. And this is huge because the truth is that like, when you really know that you are accepted, that when you really know who you are and whose you are, you can go out and bring other people in. And I love the fact that the church, like back in, back in the New Testament, uh, the church was a bunch of different, like you had Jews, you had Christians, you had, you had pagans, you had all these different religions and faiths, and they were together, and they were meeting, and they were hearing the word. That should be what it's like today. That you have different people uh, from different political sides, different faiths. You should have people who, who, who don't fully understand this and yet people who do understand what's going on. We should have people of all kinds here in the church. And yet the reality is that the church, because we've neglected this truth, because we've neglected the heart so much, we kind of just sit here and we listen and we worship and it's good. We should keep doing that. But then when we go out on Monday, do the same thing, Tuesday, same thing, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, but Sunday's here again. So now we get to come here and worship. Instead of Monday, I'm going out. Tuesday, hey, there's this friend I got. We're going to lunch. 
Wednesday. Oh man, there's this person who's never even heard the name of Jesus. And then we come back to Sunday and look at that. There are people flooding through the doors to hear the name of Jesus and to hear the good news and to hear this truth that they are accepted as well. The same acceptance that you've been given, you're to give to others. And, and like I said, like this is so important. This is important because it, it really shows that we are supposed to be bringing acceptance to the world. And when you have churches that, that don't realize this truth, you have churches that, that are so focused inwardly and not outwardly because they don't really realize who they are and whose they are and that they are accepted by God. And if you leave here today, know that you are accepted by God. And kind of like when my mom would come pick me up from daycare, there's a story, and I really, I really like enjoy this story because it, 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 again, reminds us of the truth. Like when I am excited to see my mom from daycare, or, or even yet when my grandparents came, I was like, I was like off the walls crazy how excited I was. And there's this story. Jesus is sitting, he's teaching, and, and there are these parents who are, who are bringing their kids. And the disciples you know, are, are saying, hey, Jesus has got like bigger fish to fry. Can you maybe like, you know, go over there. We'll, we'll get you later. We'll get you some, you know, VIP tickets later. And, and Jesus looks at his disciples. And I, and I often wonder, like, the expression that Jesus has of, like, a, like a smile of, like, you guys just don't get it. You guys, you, you don't get it. He says, bring the children to me. Bring the children to me because unless you have a faith like these little children... You're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You're not going to get the kingdom of God. You're not going to understand the kingdom of God. And in the same way, when it comes to like rejection and acceptance, the thing that I've realized is that I just need to be a child. Not childish, but I just need to be a child. I just need to be a son. You just need to be a son or a daughter I just need to be a son and just be ecstatic that I'm, that I'm even invited to the table, that I was even considered to be invited to the table, right? We just need to realize that we are children, sons and daughters of God, and that nothing can take that away, that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are who God says we are, and because of that, we can go out and bring good news to broken and hurting people. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for just inviting us. God, I pray for everyone in this room and whoever is watching online. God, that we would be like children again in the way that we see you, that we would just be ecstatic, that we are invited to the table to be with you, to enjoy you, to believe the truths that you say about us. God, it's a struggle for me, and I'm sure it's a struggle for, for people here and for people around the world, for your church, to be accepted, to really believe that we are accepted, God. But I pray that you would do a work that the Holy Spirit would change our hearts in this. That we would see that we are accepted, that we are invited, that we can go out and bring love and peace and joy to a broken and hurting world. So Father, help us to just 
be your children, to start there, to just be little children, and to realize that we are loved and we are accepted. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.